Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to a brand new hour of Morning Air as we continue to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and student producer Sarah Tafoya. Thank you so much for joining us across America and beyond, wherever you may be on this first Wednesday of 2024 here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is, in fact, the 10th day of Christmas. And as Catholics, we continue to say Merry Christmas because for us, the Christmas season continues until the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord coming up on January 8th. In fact, in some countries, including Italy, as we just heard from Ashley Narona last hour, in Rome, the traditional end of the Christmas season is the feast of the presentation of the Lord on February 2nd. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Glenn, what are a few of the stories making headlines uh, this hour on this Wednesday morning? The president of Harvard is some might say finally uh, put in a resignation yesterday, uh, getting a lot of heat for uh, failure to call out anti-Semitism on campus uh, when testifying in front of Congress. Also being found... Uh, to be of having plagiarized many of her writings over 50 different instances uh, in the past. And uh, that's something the Harvard community does not take lightly. And uh, the, the kind of the, the twist on it all is that uh, she was the first uh, black woman to, to lead Harvard. But uh, many supporters of hers are, are just calling it racism, ignoring the fact that a lot of plagiarism was involved in her ap- academic work and uh, failure to uh, denounce uh, the calling of uh, genis- for genocide as a bad thing. And uh, meanwhile, uh, the uh, war in the Middle East uh, rages on here at the beginning of this new year, Glenn. Yeah, a drone strike in uh, suburban Beirut, Lebanon by Israel, uh, supposedly by Israel, uh, took out one of the uh, the top Hamas leaders. And some see this as a potential expanding of, of the war as other enemies of Israel, including Hezbollah, operate out of Lebanon as a potential second front uh, against uh, the Jewish state. Well, Glenn, I want to shift gears and talk about uh, FOCUS, uh, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Uh, They're hosting the SEEK24 conference in St. Louis with thousands of young people on hand. I understand as many as 20,000 all this week until uh, this coming Friday, uh, January 5th. Relevant Radio is one of the premier sponsors, and the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky is uh, broadcasting live at 8 a.m. Central Time from the SEEK conference all week long. Joining us live from SEEK 24 is the co-host of the Family Rosary Across America and the producer of the Drew Mariani Show, our very own Maggie Carosa. Hey, Maggie, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, it's great to be with you here on Morning Air, a rare Morning Air appearance. John, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Happy New Year. Well, Maggie, been thinking about you. I uh, heard Monsignor Shea on uh, with Drew yesterday, uh, kind of uh, sharing uh, how... Uh, outstanding and how exciting it is there at that Seek 24 conference. Can you give us a sense of the scene with all those 20,000 young people on hand and some of the uh, greatest Catholic speakers uh, you can ever find? 
Absolutely, John. It's it's. I, this is my first Seek conference that I've ever been to. I've always watched the videos online after it happens, but there is something palpable about being here. The energy, the presence of all these young people with such amazing faith. I've never been to a mass where there's like 25,000 people in attendance. It's a miracle in itself that they can bring communion to every single person within the stadium. It, there's like a hundred priests that get sent out with, with the with communion. It's amazing. You know, I, I had the pleasure of bumping into Monsignor Shea yesterday after he had spoken with Drew. Um, he came and took some pictures at our booth. And then he said, you know, next to us, we have a, a big booth here in this exhibit hall, and next to us is University of Mary, where he uh, is the, the dean. And he um, he said, I don't know if you've gotten the chance yet. He said, Michelle Dupong's parents are here. And so I, I walked to the booth next door and got to meet Michelle Dupong's parents. They premiered a movie last night here about her life, a, a new documentary about her life. She's uh, now has a case open. She was a student at the University of Mary. Um, she passed away and there have been many, many miracles um, to her intercession. And so it was, it was amazing to just walk to the booth next door, meet her lovely mother and sit and talk with her for like 20 minutes. Um, you know, there's, there's people from all over the country. I actually met someone from uh, Australia last night that came to our booth, um, even outside the country, they're coming here um, because they just hear about the faith of the young people and they wanna take part. Uh, you know, today we've got Father Mike Schmitz um, that will be a keynote speaker, Dr. Edward Sree. Um, you know, I'm walking around and when I see people lined up, I always ask the people, I'm like, what are you guys lined up for? Oh, we're here to meet Matt Frad. Oh, we're doing a meet and greet with so-and-so. It's, it's just, it's just incredible. The people here are so excited. It sounds so exciting. I was blessed uh, back in 2015 to uh, uh, be at the SEEK uh, conference uh, that year. And uh, there were about half as many college students at that one than what they have uh, there in St. Louis. Uh, what's it been like for you, uh, Maggie, uh, to uh, pray with Father Rocky, the family rosary across America in the morning with all those young uh, kids? Wow, you know, this is a new thing for Relevant Radio. We've never done this before to be built into the schedule here like this and to pray with everyone before mass, which totally makes sense. You know, it's, it's kind of usual to pray the rosary before or after mass. And so yesterday as we were you know, starting, people were, were starting to fill the stadium, but by the time we had finished the rosary, all the people that were there that were coming to mass, it was between 20 and 25,000 people um, had finished filing in. And I, I told someone afterwards that if I closed my eyes for a moment and you could hear the responses from the stadium of the Holy Mary, Mother of God, you know, kind of wafting over me. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is what happens every time we pray the rosary on this broadcast, but I just can't hear it. You know, people are praying with us across the country in their homes, but to hear the chorus of voices together just like gave me goosebumps. I was like, this is so amazing. I don't get to see that from the studio, you know? It's so inspirational to be around all those young people, all those university students from so many different campuses. I believe there's at least a, a couple hundred different college campuses uh, represented uh, there at uh, SEEK 24. Um, 
what about some of the events uh, that are taking uh, place? Uh, there's formation sessions. There's confessions going on all day long. Oh. There's obviously adoration and uh, and and yes. Eucharistic uh, processions as well. There's so much going on to really uh, uh, lift the the the, uh, the the souls and the spirits of all these young kids. Totally. I've never been to such an all-encompassing event like this before. So every morning there's, you know, the rosary, there's the mass, which is incredible. Yesterday, Archbishop Aquila um, celebrated mass and it was so powerful. So to even have that chance is amazing. But um, the rosary, mass, and then throughout the entire day, there's always adoration going on in, in a chapel on the other side of the convention center. And I happened to pop by there yesterday for about an hour. And I have, you know, usually when you go to an adoration chapel, John, there's like maybe five people there. There were probably 500 people in this room. It, it was like a, a conference ballroom that was filled with young people coming in and coming out, spending time with the Lord. Amazing. As Father Rocky noted yesterday, he was like, I have never seen such lines for confession they they have times throughout the day with all the priests that are here they go to the confessional rooms um and he's like there were longer lines for confession than there were for breakfast that is <laughs> it's just and so then there's all these breakout sessions um you know how to how to evangelize you know today i think um father capo is here and he's going to talk with the men about faith and fitness like really he, he's a bodybuilder he's been on he our is. show he, he is, is the guy is 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 ripped he totally is yeah i think he used to be the chaplain for the swiss guard um so it totally makes sense so he's kind of taking the guys and they're talking about you know, using your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. The women then have a breakout session uh, about how to maintain purity and, and true feminine sexuality in a really pornified world, which is, I thought, a really interesting topic, um, you know, and like very to the heart of things that are going on in the culture today for young people. Well, Maggie, it's a joy to be with you here uh, in the morning on, on Morning Air. Uh, we, obviously, we always hear you at night, uh, but this is a rare treat. And um, many blessings uh, to you and Father Rocky. Uh, you guys uh, are doing the Family Rosary Across America at the top of the hour here at 8 a.m. Central, a special edition of the Family Rosary Across America. Uh, Maggie, thanks so much uh, for, for being with us there from Seek 24. Of course, John. Thank you. God bless you. We'll talk soon. Many blessings to you. Maggie Carosa, the co-host of the Family Rosary Across America. And um, we begin every uh, hour here on Morning Air, as we always do, always giving thanks uh, for all the many blessings uh, to our Lord. And we always pray through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God. And of course, we continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine. This morning, we pray for the soul of my friend Richard Portis, a longtime Relevant Radio benefactor who passed away unexpectedly at age 59 right before Christmas. His funeral mass is today, so we pray for his soul, and we also pray for his family, for his wife Maria and their three young girls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On Wednesdays, I always uh, take a moment to remind you that Wednesdays are dedicated to St. Joseph. He is a powerful intercessor, so go to Joseph, the head of the Holy Family. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Philippians uh, 2.10 and 11. The Apostle St. Paul writes... At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the month of January, and especially today, the church honors the holy name of Jesus. There is power in the holy name of Jesus. In fact, the name of Jesus is the shortest and the easiest and the most powerful of prayers. Our blessed Lord himself solemnly said that whatever we ask the Father in his name, we shall receive it, provided that it be for his glory and for the good of our soul. Every time we say the holy name of Jesus with True reverence and love and proper intention, we give great glory to God and obtain for ourselves untold many graces. And so we always pray with great confidence uh, that powerful prayer from the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. You can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And uh, you can also find us on social media, our handle on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. We're going to take a short uh, pause when Morning Air continues. Father Jerome Kutnick, the parochial vicar of St. Mary's Catholic Church in Huntley, Illinois, will be with us to talk about spiritual resolutions for 2024 and how we can actually stick to them. So stay with us. There is much more to come on this Wednesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. More of Morning Air after this. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. My kind of magic is automatic. I feel like dancing. I feel like dancing. Even if it's raining, I'm not complaining. I feel like dancing. I feel like dancing. And welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of the Most Holy Name of Jesus. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah as we continue to say Merry Christmas during this Christmas season. Thanks so much for joining us on this Wednesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Can you believe it's the 10th day of Christmas today? Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the conversation, it's 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Now, as we all know, January is here again, and hopefully you've made some New Year's resolutions. Forbes Health Service 
surveyed 1,000 adults, which showed that, that some resolutions tended to be more popular than others, around 48% of people uh, having uh, resolutions uh, to improve their fitness uh, into this new year. That's number one on the list and also on the list, improving their finances, their mental health, losing weight, and improving their diet. But what about spiritual resolutions? Every Catholic should also try to include a few spiritual resolutions designed to help us grow in our faith, in our relationship uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ. Joining us live this morning is Father Jerome Kotnick, uh, the parochial vicar of St. Mary's Catholic Church of Huntley, Illinois, in the Chicago area, for much more on uh, some of these spiritual resolutions uh, for 2024 and how we can actually stick to them. Good morning, Father Jerome. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you so much for being with us once again here at the beginning of the new year. Merry Christmas, Sean. Happy Holy Name of Jesus and the Glenn and Sarah as well. Thank you. Well, Father, it's a joy to be with you. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, just about everybody makes some kind of uh, New Year's resolution. Can you talk about why it's important to make spiritual resolutions? Well, let's just start with what you said. Uh, you were describing what I believe would be called under a secular name, self-care. Uh, let's, just, let's just change the word. Let's transform the word into becoming more like Christ, to be, becoming more virtuous. Uh, th- th- those don't have to be mutually incompatible. Uh, I want to be, I hope everybody at the beginning of the year has a moment of reflection to want to be a better version of themselves to be more uh, in conformity with what God has proposed for their life, to be a little bit more accord with with the mission for which Christ uh, uh, created them. I would say a big uh, uh, umbrella uh, uh, principle is to kick complacency and to move through discipline to greater intimacy with Christ. Well, there's no, there's no doubt that being a better version of oneself involves our spiritual lives as well as everything else. And, uh, you know, the world focuses on all the other stuff, but, but we as Catholics and followers of our Lord need to have a, a spiritual dimension uh, as well. There's, there is a ton of ideas. Ideas are a dime a dozen when it comes to spiritual resolutions. Uh, what are some of the resolutions that Catholics uh, can make here uh, in the new year uh, that um, that come to mind. Well, how about, John, let me throw you for a little bit of loop. Before we go forward, what if we discuss or reflect on what we must leave behind? I mean, how many people, for example, our sins, too many justify and rationalize and excuse our behaviors. Uh, secondly, how about everyone else who sinned against us, especially those who hurt us? It's hard to forgive for a lot of people. It's very hard to live uh, the Christian life when we're holding on to other onto grudges. Uh, many people who are listening struggle with unforgiveness, and they all know it's both a prison and, and a poison for those we hold sometimes in contempt. So I'd say we start the new year by first identifying what sh- things we should leave behind, and I think in examples at times the memory could be one of our largest enemies. 
So I, I'll start with going backwards before we go forwards. How does that sound? Uh, it's, it sounds good to me, and, I, and it ties in perfectly to what I was remi- re- reminding our listeners uh, during Advent and right before Christmas about going to confession. If you want to have a good Christmas, you go to confession. Well, now uh, that we are actually in the Christmas season, you can still go to confession. You can still leave those sins behind in the confessional and ask our good Lord for uh, forgiveness and ask those who perhaps we've uh, hurt for forgiveness as well. I think that's a great suggestion, Father. Yeah, so John, for 25, I'm almost a priest 25 years, solely by the grace of God and the sacrament of reconciliation, of course, to Holy Eucharist. I would say for 24 and a half years, when I say go to confession, what I should have been saying, more specifically, is examine one's conscience prior to with a much more rigorous honesty, like a prosecutor, for the, with, with a holy curiosity to look within the soul, I think there's a heavier burden on one's own self-honest reflection in the preparation of identifying the guilt, the shame, the self-hatred, the mediocrity, etc., than just showing up for the ritual. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And uh, and I think it's it's not a just open-ended going to confession, but maybe just as a suggestion, uh, trying to get to confession at least once a month. Uh, I know that that's a, it's a, it's a beautiful practice uh, to do, and uh, that would definitely be a, a, a good start and a good resolution here in 2024. So let me tie these together. So, so New Year's resolutions actually come from the Babylonians, and in 46 B.C. with the, with the Roman uh, change to the Julian calendar, it wound up in January. Uh, January 1st, it happened usually, uh, but the Babylonians had it at a different date. But, but the, whole, the whole purpose of it, of, 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 of what the, the Romans inherited from the Greeks and, and old wisdom, is the unexamined life is not worth living. Confession is an awareness and a consciousness that I have to examine my life and my behaviors and behind my behaviors, my motives and intentions. I'm not going to go forward in any, any, any profoundly deep a self-giving, loving manner until I really, by the gift of the Holy Spirit, look within and say, why do I do some of the things I do? And we're talking about New Year's resolutions. Why do people smoke? Why do people drink? Why are people in bad relationships? Why are people cussing? I hear a lot of cussing. Please stop cussing. I I, I don't know what it is. I I grew up a tough guy. I don't cuss. And I certainly, by the grace of the good Lord, would never bring his name into, into my mess. I love it, Father. Once a month sounds great, John. That sounds like a slogan. Uh, Tough guys don't cuss. (laughs) I love it. Father, there are so many ideas. I was actually quite uh, overwhelmed when I read all the different. There is literally dozens and dozens of ideas, but I just wanted to touch and get your your take on a few of them. Let me run a few by you. Uh, One that really hit home for me, and it's something that uh, by the grace of God I do every morning and have been doing it for a long time, and that's just making the sign of the cross and doing the morning offering first thing in the morning to set the tone for the day. That is not a difficult one uh, to, to do here in terms of spiritual resolutions. Uh, 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 John, amen. My whole life, by the grace of God, should be an offering, imitating Christ to offer his entire self. What a beautiful way to start. If, if you have health, may you do what you did as a child, drop by the side of your bed and, light, and, and put the light on. I would also encourage, if possible, within marriages, and if you're in, in, in uh, family situations, find some hidden prayer. 
Find some prayer in your day, in your morning particularly, that nobody knows about, but God in you. You know, following that inscription of closing your door and praying in secret. I would, I would try to steal away, maybe that's the wrong word, some, some private prayer that's not seen by others, too. too. That's, a, that's a beautiful thing. And uh, uh, I know that those first uh, 60, 90 seconds uh, that I spend in prayer at 3.45 in the morning, in the dark, in front of the crucifix in my bedroom, uh, set the tone for my in- entire day. One other uh, suggestion. You know, people who go to Mass uh, on Sundays, of course, if you if you don't go during the week, uh, there's a lot of our listeners who go every day, but if you can't get to Mass every day, maybe try to go an extra day, uh, maybe like on Wednesdays as an example. Uh, just go an extra day as a way of, of uh, expanding uh, your Mass going. So, John, I live uh, in Huntley, Illinois, next to the Dell Webb community. We have 10,000 retired, uh, I'd say 85% Chicago uh, uh, retirees, most educated in Catholic grammar schools and high schools. This is my homily every day or other day. Why are you not going to daily mass? You're retired. God gave you your retirement. Whatever health you may have, pension, health care, please. The greatest realization of give us this day, our daily bread, is in the reception of the Most Holy Eucharist. Obviously, we can't live without the Holy Eucharist. He's also preventative in care, and he furthers our gratitude, not as an attitude, but as a disposition of soul. Please, to all your listeners, take another day. Take every day. If your schedule so affords you, go to Mass. It leads to new relationships, primarily the strengthening of the, of, of the first one between God and ourselves. And, and going to Mass with preparation, having read the readings, having, having a, a soul not, 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 not being conscious of any mortal sins, is a phenomenal game changer, life changer, eternal life uh, a changer. So, yeah, that's phenomenal. I'm with you, uh, Father, and uh, full disclosure, I've been going to daily Mass uh, since uh, the mid-'90s, back in my old Fox TV days in Detroit, and uh, it's been a habit that's been a part of me and continues to this day. As soon as the show's over, I am off to Mass every single day. So, uh, you know, we have uh, we have the menu, and we, we also have the meal, so we can read Scripture and receive our Lord's uh, true presence. Yeah. So, John, before I became a priest in 92, I, I, Cardinal Bernadine actually invited me to the seminary, but I wasn't ready. Celibacy was always a big issue uh, in, in my early life. So I went to the Peace Corps, and I lived in Jamaica. And in Jamaica, we didn't have daily Mass. I can only go to Mass on Sundays. So in a very specific, personal way, how, how I relish this opportunity, how people I don't think are aware that in our parishes, every day the priest is making present God for the elevation, first for the, his, his Father's glory, but for the elevation of our souls, that we can magnify the Lord. So I think we've got to do a better job at articulating, enunciating this precious, most profound gift. Bishop Doran, the prior bishop, would call daily mass goers. It's, a, it's an office. It's a vocation. It's uh, the breakfast of champions, I like to say. <laughs> Father, what about spiritual reading, uh, beginning with the most important uh, book uh, of all time, uh, reading the Bible, just taking a, a few moments to meditate on God's Word as a, as a resolution for this year? So, John, you're, you're, you're touching on all the right parts. So, again, 25 years, I have failed at this. Uh, every day at Mass, I tell people, or every other day, you've got to read the Scriptures the Church proposes for the day, the liturgical readings. It takes 
five minutes. Uh, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, talk about the greatest spiritual writers of all time. They all went through Lexio Divina. They all went through a reflective, imaginative, conscious uh, uh, reading, slow, uh, deliberate uh, attempt to understand Christ, the words of Christ, the place, the time, the smells. It is so advantageous to the growth of my spirituality before Mass to read those readings. Scripture reading has to be, so confession and Mass I'd equal as one, the spiritual readings, John. Yes, let, 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 along with the rosary, let those be the four foundations of our spiritual resolutions going forward every day. Um, speaking of the rosary, uh, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, um, invoked us to consecrate ourselves uh, to the Mother of God uh, on uh, New Year's Day on, on the Feast of um, Mary, Mother of God. And that's something that all of us can do at the suggestion of the Holy Father. Absolutely. And Mary, for three things for me, but chastity, purity, purity of intention, purity of mind, imagination, memory, reflection, meditation, back to the Scripture, and ultimately humility, John, we're having this conversation, and I, I can tell you no, solely by the grace of God's good holy providence. He's brought us together. He's brought your listeners together. You've been so successful for years with a spiritual foundation of communicating God's holy, loving words and calling others back to a higher response to God's loving them. And that's just, that's, it's all grace. And I think Mary is the foundation and the intercessor that allows those beautiful virtues to take root in our hearts and then expressed unto others. And there's so much that we can learn from the saints. Another idea that I ran across is um, to dive into the writings of a particular saint. Uh, for example, spending time uh, with Pope St. John Paul II or uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen and meditating on some of their wisdom and their writings. I mean, you cannot go wrong being led by, for example, those two. So uh, I don't. So yes, I don't know why people don't Google their own name. Patron, start with your patron saint. Start with your middle name. Start with your confirmation name. Do a deeper dive. Google is not just for bad things. Look up who your name is related to, and their and their lifestyle, and what they were, their, and their morals, and and, and their virtues. Uh, look, if, if Father Larry Hennessy told us this in the seminary, if you don't want to know, your faith won't grow. There's a deep intellectual component to our growth in our practice of faith. Well, uh, there is so much more that we can uh, talk about uh, when it comes to making spiritual resolutions. Uh, just a final thought on this day in which we honor the holy name of Jesus, Father. Well, so, I, again, I loved Jesus. Bow, try to bow your heads. It's the name above all, every other name by which every knee shall bend and every tongue confess, in, uh, under the heavens and, and under the earth, where Jesus Christ is Lord. His love tied, tying this together. His name is love, and his love demands a commitment. And that re commitment requires discipline. May God the Holy Spirit inflame within all of us an ever greater desire to follow Christ more closely and to be more in love with him and others. And John, if I may, there's a beautiful wedding this Saturday between Sophia Puccili and Dante Bucci. 
and he's a St. Thomas grad and a St. Marion High, uh, excuse me, Marion High School grad. And I just want to do a, a shout out to them. Uh, maybe couples who have been dating for a while should get married in the new year. How's that for a resolution? That sounds like a, a great resolution to me. Really appreciate you being with us here, uh, Father. Uh, thank you so much for all the uh, uh, insights and suggestions. Uh, many different ways that we can uh, make some really good resolutions here in 2024. Uh, thanks again, uh, Father Jerome. Bless you, John, and Glenn and Sarah. Thank you. Many blessings to you. Father Jerome Kotnick, the parochial vicar of St. Mary Catholic Church in Huntley, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. We need to take a short time out when Morning Air continues. A personal success coach, Dave Duran, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media, will join us to discuss six common traits that most people don't recognize in great leaders. So stay with us. We are headed down the stretch on this Wednesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new and improved Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air on the Memorial of the Most Holy Name of Jesus. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Producer Sarah. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in on this Wednesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app on this, the 10th day of Christmas, if you're keeping score at home. You can always send us an email directly if you have any thoughts or story ideas. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. You can find us on social media on X, formerly Twitter, our handle at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about the traits of great leaders. There are many qualities that make someone a great leader in any arena, be it in business, in sports, or in our Catholic faith. What are some of the traits of great leaders that most people never even notice? Joining us live from Fort Myers, Florida, is our longtime Morning Air contributor and personal success coach, Dave Duran, to tell us about six common traits that most people don't recognize in great leaders. Dave Duran is an author, professional speaker, and executive coach. He's also the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media and the founder of Lighthouse Catholic Media and DE Media. You can always follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the conversation with Dave Duran, is 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Good morning, Dave. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us. It's great to be with you here at the uh, beginning of this new year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It is great to be with you. And you know, Sometimes when you end the year, you end the year with just an awesome, unbelievable, incredible bang. Like when the Green Bay Packers beat <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, and it's I the knew last that was, memory you have. Kind of... Oh yeah, I, I, I you know, I, a, a, a bigger person wouldn't have said it, but I'm not that guy. So, Glenn, there you go. <laughs> Practicing the to. virtue of humility since 1962 here in Minnesota. <laughs> 
All right, I got. I had to get it over with because you were just sitting there waiting for it anyway. So, well, uh, yeah, we are. Dave, it takes about- humility to be a Bears fan as well, and I'm, and uh, my Bears will be uh, taking on uh, uh, the Packers up uh, in Green Bay this coming Sunday. Yeah, but I have no idea what's going to happen there because you know what it's like any given Sunday, right? Exactly. You just never know. <laughs> you never know. The Bears have been playing uh, decent football in in recent weeks, but uh, every every game is different. They are. They are for sure. Well, we are talking about six common traits uh, that most people don't recognize in great leaders. And you know, one of the reasons this topic is important is exactly that. They're kind of hidden traits. Uh, some people would, would recognize them, but by and large, people are unaware that these are the kind of underpinnings of really great leadership. Now, there are many other things, too. But the first one, John, is that they're committed to expertise, And a lot of people don't look at leadership that way. In fact, they don't look at their role at all that way, but we should all be committed to expertise. And it's something we basically unconsciously demand or expect out of others, even if we give ourselves a pass at it. I mean, you wouldn't want to go get LASIK surgery and say to the surgeon, are are, you you an expert? And have them go, well, no, I'm I'm okay, though. You don't want that. You don't want your accountant. You know, how are you as an accountant? Are you an expert? No, math's never been my thing. You want to make sure that you're working with somebody that is an expert. I mean, you don't even want your Uber driver to not be an expert. So if that's true about all of these things, then why do we give ourselves a pass in what we do and not expect expertise in ourselves? Now, it's not that we run around telling everybody we're experts, but we have to focus on it. And leaders aren't necessarily experts in every discipline because you can't in your organization. You can't be the expert finance person, the expert salesperson, the expert marketing person. That's just too many things. But you can be the expert in leadership, understanding how to orchestrate and coordinate all of these people to move them in the right direction. And then you need to learn to master making great decisions, which is a huge part of it. Dave, would you say that uh, it's a mindset of uh, a commitment to excellence, the pursuit of excellence? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, if you think about that, waking up and being inspired to be mediocre isn't very inspiring, you know? hey, you know what I want to do? I want to make a really decent kind of okay, but not perfect, you know, product for you. Okay, well, why don't you make it perfect? Now, some people can get scrupulous about this. A perfect product, really, or a perfect service has to be in proportion to what it means, right? I mean, it's not that every car dealer is going to, or car manufacturer is going to build a Bentley, but if you can build something that is perfectly priced for the quality and it is marketed according to what it truly is. It's kind of a transcendental idea, right? That the product and the culture of the organization are good, true, and beautiful. Then you're, you're doing something that really kind of matches. Wow, that was the perfect meal I needed today. It was a hamburger. But in other times, it's a big, you know, fancy meal that's for a greater purpose. And that's what's perfect for that, that time. But pursuing that does matter. Want to open up our phone lines and invite our listeners? Why do you think uh, that many qualities that make someone a great leader so oftentimes go unnoticed? Uh, love to get your thoughts on some of the traits and qualities of great leaders that you admire the most that most people don't even recognize. We'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Executive Coach Dave Duran on our toll-free line, 888-914-9149, 888 Dave, what is another trait most people don't recognize in great leaders? Well, they use high power versus low power. And it's not that people wouldn't intuitively say, yes, of course, that makes sense. I think pretty much anybody listening would go, oh, yeah, that does make sense. 
but that they have a conscience decision to do this. What does this mean? Low power is like passive aggressiveness, not responding to an email because somebody upset them. Um, uh, low power is basically kind of like a sin of omission. It's something that you could do to change the circumstance for the better, but you're lazy and sitting on the sidelines. High power is to say, I'm going to do the right thing at the right time, and I am going to use the authority that I have in order to do good things without wasting it. I'm going to be a good steward to that authority. Think about it. There are so many times we just need somebody who actually has the authority to make a change, and they will not do it. And you just say, please, know your office, know your post, use your authority for something good, and that's high power, and that allows people to really make substantial changes. Now, the third trait that most people don't recognize in great leaders uh, has to do with good communication. Yeah, they speak in analogies and metaphors. And, of course, we saw Jesus teaching parables all the time. Uh, but they do. They have kind of a Thomistic approach to using an analogy or a metaphor so that people can see things from a different perspective. And that's really what that's about. The reason we do this is so that we can basically, in a way, and I mean this in a non-condescending fashion, but we can condescend to somebody else. And condescending has a denotation and, and connotation in it. To condescend to somebody else means just to speak their language, to actually use... Uh, uh, terms or circumstances that they would understand and agree with. And so we need to do that. We need to be able to condescend to somebody without being condescending. And an analogy and metaphor is one of the greatest ways to do it because it, again, to use the terms, it condescends, but it never feels condescending. It actually feels the opposite. It feels like, wow, you know me because you're telling this in a story fashion that I can relate to. Therefore, uh, an idea or a topic that might be a little bit too complicated for me has become simple. And that's something that we appreciate in people when they're leading us. The fourth trait reminds me of the old adage of uh, KISS, K-I-S-S. Keep it simple and straightforward. Yeah, they do. They look for the simplest way to understand a solution. And this is a, a, a very, very real thing. And I, I would say this one does go a little bit less noticed. Because a lot of people, when they enter into leadership, they want everybody to know how smart they are. So they want to make sure everybody knows how complicated the circumstance is so that they look more heroic when they actually solve the problem. But that doesn't do it. You know, the smartest people that I know are people who uh, are able to explain all the high intellect that they have to me in a way that I get. And that's important for leaders to keep in mind. But it's not just about explaining things. It's about, hey, if there are 15 steps to doing something, why do we need all these steps again? Can we just make it like three? And quite often, I'll have people say, no, you can't do that. And I'll say, well, why can't you do that? And they'll say, we well, just can't do that. And I'll literally have the same kind of repetitive conversation, but I shimmy it up a little bit. I loosen that. And I keep, I say, well, tell me why you can't in, in detail. And they'll say, and I say, well, that particular detail that you gave me, why can't that just be eliminated? And you find that all of a sudden, if there are 15 steps, and maybe as the leader who sees things simply, you might have thought there were only three. Turns out there are, you know, that would be too few, but there are only five. And you can eliminate things. So helping people make things simple is really essential for great leaders. And this is something that, of course, uh, we have seen uh, with uh, great leaders, uh, that, that ability uh, to take a very complicated topic and just make it so simple that it's it's understandable to the to the common layperson. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day people end up saying why didn't I think of it that way? You know, how come I didn't see it that simply? Um but it's because our emotions will oftentimes uh be the thing that complicate things. That's 
That's one of the reasons that we have difficulty solving problems when we're tired or we're exhausted because we become more emotional. And when those emotions really start to stir up, our intellect is diminished. So it's very important that we do the things that we need to do to stay sharp mentally, but that we also recognize when our emotions are starting to overwhelm or dominate our intellect so we can say, hey, you know what? This is probably not the best time for me to make a decision. I'm going to wait till I'm well-fed, I've had my coffee, and I'm rested, and uh, I can come back to this decision. And oftentimes when we do that, we come back to the decision, and we can't, we can't even really imagine why we were so overwhelmed by it before. It has become so simple. I mean, I, I know sometimes I, I come home from a long day of making decisions at work, and, you know, deciding what to eat is too complex, <laughs> you know, and that can be the case for, for all of us if we're not uh, careful. All right. What's the fifth trait that most people don't recognize in great leaders? They have very high levels of compassion. And this is definitely one that great leaders recognize in other leaders, but people who are maybe novice leaders really misinterpret. And they think more or less they buy this lie that they're, they're too nice to lead, which is not true. People can be too weak to lead, but never too nice. Great leaders are nice and great leaders are compassionate because, you know, ultimately speaking, to be a tremendous leader, you need to attract quite a following. And there's a difference between a person who has authority, like a dictator or whatever, or somebody who's just put into a role, and therefore they can use their authority to make people do things, which is not really leadership. It's more tyranny. But a person who really leads gets people to want to do things. In other words, a really, truly excellent leader is, an, is a person who builds in their organization, not just a compliant team of people who will do things or else, but a willful team of people who want to do great things because recognize the big picture and they want to serve those people that are around them. This is something that we've talked about in the past, humility and leadership, which leads us to the sixth trait that, uh, that most people just don't recognize in great leaders. Yeah, this is definitely one. So you hear a lot of different things. You hear, you know, never give in, um, hold your ground in negotiating, you know, don't give them any, you know, any ground at all. These things Sometimes they make sense, by the way. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you're negotiating on a, a, a moral absolute or on something that, you know, you literally cannot uh, accept anything other than that because it's too catastrophic, then yeah. But for the most part, life's not like that. And decisions aren't like that. And mistakes happen. And great leaders eagerly, eagerly and swiftly correct their own mistakes or when they see that they're actually working toward or negotiating towards something that might not have a true sense of justice, they'll pull back on it a little bit because they truly do want what is good for everybody involved in what they're doing. And when they're making a mistake on their own, the need to swiftly and eagerly correct it, in other words, not grudgingly, they don't, they don't go, I've made a mistake, therefore I need to hide that, I need to blame others. They're like, that's my mistake, I am on top of it. Oh, I'm very sorry that took place. Here's why it happened. Let me correct it. And, and here's where we go from there. And uh, that last uh, trait, I think, but perhaps might be one of the most important, having that humility to be able to recognize one's own mistakes and then make those adjustments uh, so that you can lead properly. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And by the way, all of this is just much easier if we're prayerful. Uh, there's just no doubt about it. We need to have God uh, empower us to make up for where we're flawed. And we can use the cardinal virtues to get things done like this too. But then ultimately speaking, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity 
really kind of illuminate even at a greater level the cardinal virtues and they allow for us to have strength that we normally wouldn't. I mean, our human strength is is powerful because God is loves us like you would believe, so he gives us intense power as humans. But when we, uh, you know, interact with Lord, the Lord in grace, we intensify our ability to be good at what we do because we are using God's power, which makes our decisions divine, not our own divinity, but his. Dave, we have about 30 seconds. Uh, You have a new show coming up uh, on Saturday, January 13th. Are you excited? Very excited. The Dave Duran Show, and we're going to talk a lot about leadership. We're going to have some guests that are uh, well-accomplished leaders that are on the show as well, too. And uh, I'm just really, really excited. I love being a part of the Relevant Radio family, and uh, I hope you tune in. It'll be Saturday, January 13th, and at what time again? Uh, I think the, the list of time is 10 Central. 10 Central. Outstanding. Many blessings to you, and uh, thanks, as always, for being with us here this morning. Dave Duran, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Admire Their Glow. I looked at my beautiful Christmas tree inside. It was time. The new year was a week old and my tree still stood in the corner of our room with its collection of memories proudly displayed in a shower of colorful lights. I had procrastinated long enough. I got up, I went to the garage and hauled all the boxes into the room. The garland was the first to come down and the tree looked naked already. I took the large ornaments off next. They made a large pile on our bed. An hour later, our bed was covered with Christmas memories. Each pile contained an ornament along with its matching brothers and sisters from sets purchased many years ago. I prepared the boxes and carefully placed ornaments in their protective packaging, pausing every few minutes to admire a favorite. Hey, little Santa. I hailed the Santa from my childhood. Thanks for being my friend for almost 50 years. It was a little ragged, but still gives me a flood of wonderful memories. Until next year, my dear friend. There was a collection of handmade ones. My children made them in their first years of school more than 20 years ago. Made by tiny hands, they're far from perfect in design, but every year they go on my memory tree. Memories of young giggles on Christmas morning and a smiling face when they handed them to me when I came home from work. Look what we made, Daddy. Oh, it's beautiful. Let's find a special spot on the tree for it. Every year since, they're displayed. A few hours after I started, the filled boxes were back in the garage. The room was vacuumed, and I sat staring at a barren corner. The room seemed so empty. It took me two days of work to assemble and decorate my tree, but only a few hours to take it apart. My tree is a good marriage or a great friendship. Like the tree, they take a long time to assemble and decorate with memories, but can be torn down quickly. All it takes is an unkind word or a thoughtless act, and what once stood proudly in the glow of love comes tumbling down. Every year I have to put my tree away, but not my marriage or friendships. I take great care of those. They get to glow in the corner of my life as long as I live. I get to analyze my tree and find memories for a few weeks every year. I can do the same with the loves of my life every day. When I held the Santa, a flood of wonderful memories returned. The same happens when I hold my wife or see the smile of a friend across the room. Take great care of your friendships and your marriage. Once they come down, they aren't as easy to put back together as a Christmas tree, if at all. Stand them in that special spot in the corner of your heart and admire their glow. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 
Thanks so much, Glenn. Coming up at the top of the hour at 8 a.m. Central, join us for a special edition of the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky and Maggie live from the Focus Seek 24 Conference in St. Louis, Missouri. You can pray and watch it all this week at Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024 edition of Morning Air. For Glenn, Sarah, Gabby, our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all God. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next edition of Morning Air. The Family Rosary Across America and the Patrick Vidrigo next.